Good morning. Good morning. Good afternoon. <laughs> it is. Well, first, Happy New Year to everyone who's listening. We are starting out this new year, 2020, with clear vision and clarity. And we have a wonderful visitor today named Marcus. Say hi, Marcus. <laughs> Marcus, thank you for joining me and taking My time pleasure. out of your day on this New Year's Day. How's it going so far? It's going well. Just uh, very grateful for another year, another decade, and uh, just another day. Wonderful. Well, to our listeners, today we're going over a very, very touchy topic, which is divorce. And on this podcast, Bianca's Broken Pieces, our goal is to have clarity and resolve within our walk, our journey with Christ, and just becoming better people and learning from um, our choices and decisions in life. And so we all have dealt with many different decisions that didn't work out the way we liked them to. So today, this interview, um, and like I said, the topic is regarding divorce. And so we have Marcus here um, who has experienced divorce, and he's going to give us a little bit of information that hopefully will help us along in our journey. So our first question for you, um, Marcus, is tell us a little bit about yourself and how you met your spouse and what made you fall in love with her? Well, uh, thank you for the opportunity to share a little bit of my testimony. I'm originally from the Midwest, and uh, but I met my spouse, my former spouse now, unfortunately, at an Ivy League institution in graduate school. Uh, I was pursuing my MBA, and she was pursuing a PhD. And uh, we met at a Black graduate student um, kind of gathering early in the year. And uh, they had a contest for who, you know, there were several icebreakers. So one was who was the oldest grad student, who was the youngest, et cetera. And uh, I was 30 at the time. And I thought, well, surely there's somebody older than I am here. But um, I was the uh, oldest person in the room. She was the second oldest. And uh, the prize was a sweatshirt. And um, I walked up to her Afterwards, and I said, "Well, I just want to let you know that chivalry is not dead, and this is for you." So I gave her the the sweatshirt, and that's how uh, sweet. <laughs> <laughs> so that was a sweet little gesture. And so, how did she receive that gesture? Well, it's very funny uh, because she initially said, "Oh, that's so sweet," uh, same as you did, and, and she says, "Would you would you like to go out for a drink?" I said, "Well, you know, I don't drink." Uh, she said, "Oh, uh, would you would you like to grab coffee?" Well, I'll drink coffee. And then something <laughs> hit me in the back of my hand and said, you idiot, she's asking you out. And I said, oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm a little slower than most. So uh, so I said, oh, well, you know, we can, you know, we can go out. You can grab coffee and I'll, I'll, I'll drink some hot cocoa. And, and uh, so that was our that was our first date. Wonderful. And so from there, things progressed and you end up falling in love and you two went down the aisle and you got married. Now, fast forwarding to your life as a husband and wife, tell me a little bit about how that process began. Um, This is your first marriage, I'm assuming. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, it being new and you're learning how to be a husband, and she's learning how to be a wife. Tell me about that. 
Yeah, it was interesting because neither of us had very many, very many role models uh, in terms of a good, healthy, strong marriage. And frankly, our expectations were pretty low uh, going into it. Uh, we were told, you know, you'll be in love for six months, maybe a year if you're lucky. Uh, and then after that, you'll you'll hate each other like all the rest of us do. Uh, but it turns oh out, we're, yeah, we're pretty cynical, <laughs> uh, pretty cynical experience. But um, but it turns out that we had basically a three year honeymoon. Uh, we were very very much in love, um, and I had already had a uh, daughter. I was a teenage parent. She uh, had no children, and so we focused initially on uh, raising uh, my daughter, her new daughter. Uh, and uh, things were fine. Um, and, uh, you know, but for whatever reason, um, once we started having children, uh, things began to shift a little bit. Uh, I don't think that it was really because of having children per se, um, but kind of miscommunication or lack of communication, I, I should say, uh, on her part. And then, um, lack of uh, really a depth of understanding on, on my part uh, in terms of uh, why she may have uh, felt um, uh, uncomfortable or uh, you know not loved and respected enough. Not that I was doing anything affirmatively to make her feel that way, but I don't think that I probed enough in terms of um, what seemed to be eating at her frequently. Okay. Now I do want to give a light interruption here just to help our listeners have a um, clear pathway on our discussion in this journey. So one of the questions that popped into my head as you were talking, um, you mentioned the people who were telling you that, hey, you're only going to have a honeymoon for three to six months and then it's, it's going to go downhill. How did that affect you um, and your you know, wife at the time? when people gave you that type of feedback, do you think in the back of your mind or subconsciously you kind of um, expected a downfall? Um, I, maybe in, in one sense, but not necessarily because of what other people said, because of what we had experienced ourselves in terms of looking at whether it was our parents, we both uh, come from a background of divorce, or looking at most of the other married couples around us. Now, there were a few exceptions. Um, some uh, We both knew some couples that had been married for quite a while, but even in that instance, um, those marriages weren't always happy or healthy. You just kind of held on. Um, that's just kind of what, what you did. So I, I don't think that it had a direct negative impact on our marriage, but it certainly wasn't helpful. Um, you know, you want to surround yourself with people who are encouraging and not people who are detracting from what you're trying to build together. Wonderful. I think that is very, very important that you mentioned that and having a support um, group around you. And with that being stated, did you all attend marriage counseling prior to getting married or any type of um, support group to kind of give you uh, an outlook of what to expect when you jumped the broom? So the short answer is yes, we did, but it was very brief. I mean, part of, ironically, I think part of the challenge was um, our demographic, right? So we were both a little older. Uh, we were 32 when we got married, just shy of 32 when we uh, got married. Um, so we were older, we were both Christian, raised in the church, 
um, highly, highly educated. And so I think that we kind of took it for granted uh, that we were going to be fine and we, you know, we were in love and, and so on. So, um, and I was a minister uh, and so, and still am. And um, I, I think that it actually helped me in terms of when I marry people, because I now insist that they get uh, pretty in-depth uh, premarital counseling. Uh, I did not, and I do think that that uh, did not serve me well or serve mm-hmm. us well. Well, I definitely, you know, appreciate your input on that because a lot of people, when walking into marriage, I believe, um, don't have a clear, you know, insight as to what to expect. <laughs> um, and like you said, you guys kind of felt like, hey, we have a good start here. We are both highly educated, we're, we believe the same, so we shouldn't have that problem. And so we kind of go off of our checklist of what might be the challenges. And yet you found yourself in, in the midst of your marriage having some uh, clear challenges. So that brings us to, you know, what happened? How did you guys get there? What what do you see um, that occurred, the key challenges that made you feel that your marriage was on the path of divorce? Well, I, um, I, I think a lot of it had to do with the fact that um, her life was really turned upside down. Um, she moved far, far away to you know, the Midwest uh, to a state where she probably couldn't have pointed out on a map, frankly. Um, she became an instant mom. She was still trying to finish her PhD and plan a, plan a wedding. Because uh, the company I was working for at the time uh, paid for my schooling and kept me on full salary and all that. I was on the high potential list. And so I had a commitment to go back home, um, back to that company. And so we were apart for a year. And then by the time she came, um, again, she still working on her PhD, still, um, and was working her a part-time job, um, becomes an instant mom. We buy our first house. Um, So kind of just the stresses and strains of uh, marriage and, she was reared in a household in which um, you you sort of wore a mask and she was the dutiful wife. And so when uh, things began to erode, I would frequently ask her what was wrong. And she would always deny that anything was wrong. I mean, she's a very bubbly, effervescent person uh, and everyone else got that except me. And I couldn't understand because I was coming home, my check was coming home, uh, I wasn't running with the boys every night, wasn't running with the girls uh, either. So, um, and you know, she would say even to this day that I'm the best father that she could have imagined for her children. And so I, I don't want to put the blame on her because it always takes two. But um, if, if you know, your, your listeners know the five love, love languages, I would say things like, you know, my love tank is low, help me understand what's going on. And she would always deny. And then, frankly, um, eventually, uh, I uh, started having an affair um, with a woman who was also married uh, at the time. And um, I don't think that that was the, again, the direct cause of the divorce, but obviously it complicated things. It didn't help at all, besides uh, being a a grievous sin uh, to, to God. Okay, so there's something that you mentioned that I want to, um, you know, 
dive into a little bit further, you mentioned that the communication and, and mask, you, you, you mentioned that word mask, um, yeah. that she came from a family in which they wore masks. So it was something that she learned in her childhood, how to cope uh, with difficult situations. And so in yeah. and, and doing that, we, you know, making a note to our listeners out here, a lot of our problems come from our childhood, when you, childhood experiences and trauma. What you agree, Marcus? Uh, no question about it. You know, uh, we carry uh, baggage. Uh, some of us have a whole set of luggage that we bring <laughs> into, you know, Samsonite, right? That we bring into right. uh, <laughs> into the marriage. Uh, so, yeah, it, to some degree, I, I do think that we are, if our adult lives are not shaped by our childhood they're certainly informed by it and uh and that was true of both not just her and not just me but but of all of us but uh i i do think and, and she i think would say as well that the fact that she learned to be the silent dutiful wife did contribute to our lack of communication which really had me scratching my head for a couple of years uh frankly because i couldn't understand what was going on because I, I was doing in my mind I was doing everything that I was supposed to be doing and um, so I just was not getting the kind of information feedback from her that would have helped me to understand what she was experiencing yes I, I agree so moving along you mentioned that infidelity occurred and so to our listeners out there we we hear all these stories and things that happen that you know bring a marriage come tumbling down when that occurred um, for you Marcus in your marriage did it drastically change everything immediately um, was there some interruption and then you try to work it out tell us a little bit more about that and how it ended up being to the final decision which of course is divorce yeah so I you know if you remember um in the Bible's account of Adam and Eve, God told them that the day that you eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you should surely die. And uh, obviously when they ate, they didn't physically die then, uh, but they began to die spiritually. And so I, I liken that, uh, I think it's analogous to my situation. Um, so the short answer to your question is that it didn't have an immediate sort of material impact on the marriage, but it did, I believe, from that day, um, had a spiritual impact on the marriage. And uh, ev- and it was a long-term affair, uh, I admit. And eventually, of course, uh, my wife or ex-wife found out, because they always do. And, um, you know, she found out, but still was not ready to leave um, at that point, uh, was still willing to try to work on it. Um, but for me, after years of, of asking and asking and asking what's wrong, um, I had kind of checked out um, spiritually, uh, emotionally from the marriage. We did go to counseling um, and uh, we actually went to three different counselors. The third one, I think, was very helpful. Uh, because I, I ended up realizing that I needed a personal counselor in addition to a marriage counselor. Uh, and so that helped open my eyes to some of my challenges and flaws. But then also, it wasn't until counseling that I found out that um, my then wife had built up a lot of resentment because of the life changes that took place in the course of 18 months. We, we were married a total of 10 years. Um, 
but uh, I began to learn uh, why she was very reluctant to share what was going on with, with her and her heart. And I always like to say this, marriage counseling is, is critically important. But from my perspective, you can have the best counselor in the world, but if, if your heart is not there, if your heart is hard, then mm-hmm. the counseling doesn't matter. And uh, my heart became hard, unfortunately. And it wasn't really until near the end of counseling that I slowly began to realize that I, I had fallen back in love with my wife um but by then um things were just too close. okay you hit on so many key topics within that answer um which will kind of be hard to address them all but just for our listeners to kind of um put it all in perspective when did that affair occur you said you guys were married for 10 years yeah um it began in year seven and you continued the affair for how many years three years okay and in that three years you said that you completely checked out and so at that point counseling for you was kind of like going through the motions or am i adding to that? well it 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 was in in one sense it was going through it the emotion going through the motions in one sense it was helpful it was going through the motions in the sense that you know by then i in the back of my mind i i figured we were probably going to get divorced in anyway um but it was helpful to understand what the challenges were with her uh and and the nature of our marriage and the changes that she had uh she had gone through uh and so i um yeah, I, I think it was valuable for me in many ways, but one way was to understand that I needed to be more attentive, more uh, attuned to what could, uh, what was un- what might be unspoken uh, in terms of uh, my my spouse, and so that was a, that was a helpful lesson, um, and I learned other lessons as well that I, I'm hopeful to apply once I do get married again. I mean, the Bible says obviously that God hates divorce. Um, and it, ideally, it's one man, one woman for one lifetime. Uh, so unfortunately, that will not be my story. But um, I am, as I like to say, I am divorced, but not discouraged. And I do believe that uh, my my future wife is, is out there somewhere. Wonderful. Now, in that answer that you gave us, I want to help the listeners kind of um, take some nuggets from this. Um, because I get this quite a bit when I'm talking to people about their circumstances and their life situation. Um, I hear a lot of people say that they just don't think that counseling is worth it. But I hear you say that, you know, it it, it was at the end, but at the beginning, there was, it was kind of like a rocky start. You had, you know, you were checked out. Um, And that's something that I hear frequently repeated. And so one of the questions that, you know, pops in my mind when I hear that is like, well, what is the other person supposed to do? You know, if someone is fully checked out um, and you're wanting to fight for the marriage and someone else is like, hey, I'm ready to walk. I don't even want to be there. Should that person continue to have hope that possibly things would turn around? Because you mentioned at the end, you did. You kind of, you know, realized you know, mm-hmm. you really still loved your wife, but at that point, she had checked out. Yeah. So, to answer your question, yes, I, I do think that uh, people should 
always hold out hope. I mean, there's an old song as sure as there is God, there is hope. So I, I, I do believe that um, not only for the sake of the marriage, though, but for your own sake. I mean, um, you cannot ultimately be responsible for another person, but you can always and can and should always be responsible for yourself. And so um, I, I understand I mean, marriage is so difficult um, and I, people need to go into it with uh you know, that clear understanding. It's like, you know, you're, you're young. If you're, if, especially if you're in your twenties uh, or even early thirties, like we were, um, you know, it's like, well, we're in love. None, none of that, all that bad stuff that happens to, with other people. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. And uh, you, you're just kind of naive. Um, but I think one of the things that separates uh, marriages today from those in years past is just the willingness to, to stick, to it throughout the, the difficult times. I mean, there's a reason that we say for better, for, for worse, richer and poor sickness and in health. Uh, and we should really, really consider that. Uh, and I emphasize that when I'm conducting premarital uh, counseling. And I mentioned earlier, you know, a lot of times, you know, we knew people who had been in long-term marriages but weren't, weren't necessarily happy. So I'm not I'm not simply saying, and you've heard people say, well, we stayed together for the sake of the kids and all that. Yes. Well, there's nothing, you know, there's nothing biblical about that. And that can be very, very damaging. So I, because um, the kids, at the end of the day, your number one responsibility is to your spouse. Biblically speaking, it's to your spouse, not to your children. Mm-hmm. And so uh, that should be, you have to be a good parent and so on. But the, the, the primary focus needs to be on the husband and the wife serving each other, uh, submitting to each other. I know the brothers like to quote, well, wives submit to your husbands. But if, if you read, uh, we're actually supposed to be, not only to submit to each other, but also when, um, you know, when we were to love our wives, like Christ loved the church, well, and gave himself for it. In other words, he died, right? And so we have to be willing to die to self. Mm-hmm. Uh, not just, you know, most men would say, well, yes, of course, I would die for my wife, you know, physically, if someone, if she were attacked by someone, but we need to, to die to self um, so we can, we can serve our, our wives that way. Okay. So for our listeners who aren't quite, you know, believers in Christ, you know, and they're kind of thinking to themselves like, yeah, right. If I'm not happy, it's it's my job to be happy. (laughs) What do you say to those people, especially, you know, if they've tried to go through counseling, but they're just, their heart isn't there. um, And they, they really don't feel like there's any other way, but to walk away. What was some of the key things in your counseling session? I'm assuming this one was in your individual and not your marriage counseling that you felt like it switched or it turned that corner for you where you started to then fall back in love with your wife yeah I would uh, believers uh, you know the doors of the church are open but um, uh, for (laughs) (laughs) but for those um, who who are struggling you know um, it, it is important, um, again, to maintain that that commitment to the relationship. And, you know, to your question about what did it come at the end uh, of, of the counseling? Well, it, it was kind of intermingled um, because the, the person who was doing our marriage counseling was also my personal uh, counselor. And so, um, you know, we um, we began to have some very serious uh, discussions uh, about uh, what what we could have done differently, 
and so on. And so I, I do think that it is um, uh, very important to try your best to keep those lines of communication open, um, to be realistic about what's going on, um, to uh, recommit yourself uh, to to that marriage. Because at the end of the day, uh, you're barring something really, really crazy like or something of that nature. Uh, you, whatever you're going through, even, even infidelity, you can um, you can overcome that. Uh, and I know in the moment it seems very difficult. I've been there. You don't think you can overcome it. I can't stand this person, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but those are all just tricks of the enemy. Uh, and once you open the door to infidelity and, and so on, um, it, it's it's very, very difficult to reconcile that but there has to be a commitment first to god uh and then if if your commitment is strong enough to the lord then um then you uh can uh, you can uh recommit yourself to the marriage makes sense now i know your time is very very short with us and we don't want to over uh, do our welcome but I do have a final question for you before we wrap this um, interview up mm-hmm. and looking hindsight on everything um, divorce is extremely hard on both the persons you know the wife and the husband and you mentioned you have children and I'm sure it impacted them um, very terribly as well yeah. um, when looking back at your situation Um, obviously you guys weren't able to bring it together. You guys are not together today. Mm -hmm. What would you have done differently um, in in your situation? Well, certainly first and foremost, I wouldn't have had an affair. And, you know, the, if, if there's been any blessing that's come out of this, um, it's the fact that, you know, as, as a minister, uh, I am able to, um, to counsel men like I would not have been able to otherwise otherwise it, meaning if I had not had the affair uh, so it's it's experiential and not merely philosophical or theoretical or theological uh, having gone through that experience you know I, I kind of joke with him a little bit and say you know who knew that the Bible was true right so if, if you once you open yourself up uh, to that, uh, it really just just destroys the fabric of the marriage. And so I always encourage them, you know, if, if you're having an affair, get out of it today, right now. I don't care what the end is, whether you stay with your wife, whether you leave your wife, whatever the case may be, uh, get out of it today, obviously. Uh, and then if you're not in an affair and you're thinking about one, no, no matter wh- whatever you do, don't get into it. I, I always tell people, well, you know, if you have to get divorced, which is not something that I condone, again, barring some serious issues around that get d- domestic violence and things of that nature. But if, if you really, really, really feel that you just have to get divorced, that you can't, uh, you know, live one more day with this person, at least go ahead and get the divorce and don't don't uh, compound issues by uh, having an affair. Because uh, mm-hmm. nothing ever, nothing good ever comes from that situation. So I just encourage people don't, no matter whether it's the husband or the wife, because now we see you know, a little bit more, that being a little bit more common among wives as well. Whatever you do, just just don't have an affair. Uh, it's just not, it's not worth it. 
Well, Marcus, we really appreciate you um, giving us the answers we needed today to kind of help us on our journey. Some of the many questions that we didn't ask and maybe we can do a part two would be, you know, your role as a, a, a pastor or associate pastor. How did that affect your scenario? Um, and also, you know, just addressing that, you know, there's a high divorce rate and how do the children fit into the, the picture, you know, how do you work those things out now that the divorce has happened? And so maybe we can do a part two to this, but we want to thank you so much for your time um, on this New Year's, January the 1st. And we appreciate you and hope to hear back from you again in next interviews. My pleasure and uh, honor to be on and, and have a beautiful uh, 2020. Thank you, Marcus. Thank you thank so you. much. Mm-hmm.